Welcome to the episode. My name is Nadia Felsch. I'm a feminist, fat positive nutritionist, and certified intuitive eating counselor. In this podcast, we explore the practical aspects of leaving the diet mentality behind and finding your own food and body freedom. So this episode is Nutrition Myth Busting Part 2. I invite you to go back to Part 1 if you want more. Part 1 had a great response. You'll ask for more and you asked me to address more nutrition myths that you're exposed to. So here we are. Thank you for the feedback. Again, please let me know in our Food and Body Freedom community if this helps you, how it helps you, if there's other myths that you would like to hear me explore as well. It's free to be a part of, and I would love for you to be a part of it. So search Food and Body Freedom Community and join the conversation. Okay, so let's dive into the three myths that I'll be covering and exploring in this episode. The first is, is there such a thing as empty calories? The second is sugar bad for you. And the third myth is two eggs, too many. Yes, I liked that, how that sounded. (laughs) Okay, so the first myth, is there such a thing as empty calories? No. Okay, we're done. Episode done. (laughs) So by literal definition, all food contains nutrition, energy, calories, and nutrients. So rather what I encourage you to see this, this term as this language as this diety term speaks to our taught and and normalized rejection of really, and, and the fear that we have of choosing foods for more than their nutrients. So therefore anything else outside of, you know, the maximum nutrient profile must be empty, must be lacking in value. And this is simply not true. You, you hear this term, for instance, being used to describe foods that are rich in energy, but also commonly labeled as bad. So for example, pizza or ice cream, and yet these delicious foods also contain nutrients, therefore are not empty calories. It is also helpful to consider that the term is actually preying on at the same time as picking up on the idea that the food that we eat is a maths equation that you need to be keeping a track of. Also not true. And with this view, though, we do feel unbearable pressure to make every calorie count, so to speak. Again, we do not. All food contains nutrition and starting from that place is so powerful. Okay, myth number two, is sugar bad for you? Does it, for instance, cause diabetes, cancer? Is it, as so many folks talk about, the cause of every health issue imaginable? And and that's actually how the person who asked me to explore this actually put it, and I think it's very rightly so. So the answer is no. You know, especially in Australia over the past decade, we've had a very high profile case against sugar, first through a book and a program and second via a film that, you know, both of these avenues got so much notoriety. And if you're from Australia, especially, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and I'm not going to give them any airtime. The former was created by a journalist and the latter by an actor. So let's keep that in mind, but their collective harm, the, the, really to a whole generation of us, to Australians, is horrific. And and I too am a survivor of that nightmare because I purchased that book. So a quick refresher, and I do get into this into nutrition myth busting part one. A quick refresher is that all carbohydrates break down to glucose. All sugars break down to glucose in the body. And glucose molecules are what your body runs on. It is, as I call it, the global currency of the body. 
And and this is critical to know and then to utilize in your own protection against this fear-mongering type of food message because the sugar from celery and the sugar from honey are not being talked about in the same way. The sugar from apples and the sugar from cookies isn't talked about in the same way or the sugar from sugar, like white sugar or brown sugar. And yet the biological end product is the same. The myth around sugar is also received. Let's just let's just kind of lay it all out there. At the same time and, and with the same idea that eating fruit is good for your health because fruit is highly nutritious. That's true, but fruit contains sugar. That's nutritious, right? So what are we left to think then here? No disease state or health issue has one single root cause. Otherwise, reductive statements like sugar causes diabetes could also go the other way. So why don't we all have diabetes? Because we all eat sugar. I talk a lot with my clients about the reductiveness of of this and how it is so normalized, for instance, to discuss health. Like if you eat too much sugar, you'll have diabetes. And inside my programs, inside my one-on-one coaching, we are going to spend time. This is what we do, pulling apart these thoughts, breaking them down, but also therefore identifying what might need and what might require some more knowledge, what might require some more understanding, part of what I'm offering in this podcast. But it is complex because health is complex. Health outcomes, which are what health issues are, right, are determined by dynamic you know, a number of dynamic and complex social determinants far beyond just your food choices. And if you want to learn more about this, if you want a refresher, I invite you to listen to episode 56. I get that reduction in this sense, this reductive approach does make things seemingly simple, right? X causes Y, sugar causes diabetes. And I get that it can be helpful to try to understand the world in that way. It just doesn't mean it makes it accurate when we hear it. You know, specifically around diabetes and the numerous cancers that can affect human bodies, we simply just don't have all the answers. And I think that is painful and heartbreaking and it's hard. And I think that sometimes the reductiveness that these statements have are because they offer hope. And I think that makes all the sense in the world that we seek that hope, but they also cause so much fear and harm. You know, generally speaking, Talking shit about sugar has done sweet fuck all for folks that have or want to have a better relationship with sweet foods and their health. All we've done is just make people so afraid and so really disempowered around sweetness and sugar. Again, sugar's in everything. (laughs) Sugar is in all carbohydrates. If you are not adhering to a specific medically supervised dietary pattern, there is no magical amount of sugar to consume because again, it's in a lot of foods, remember? So there's no specific amount that's okay or not okay. And you don't even necessarily need to focus on a number. That line that people imagine isn't real. The line that is sold to us as a concept to keep a check on. It's also not real because you're a human with dynamic fluctuating needs and experiences. We are not static robots. So how about using some some other feedback here? Do you only eat sweet foods? And are you incorporating all of carbs into that group? Because that's fruits, vegetables, beans, grains, seeds, nuts. They all contain carbs. They all contain sugar. So are are we incorporating all of that? Likely not in our feedback. You know, I can tell you I don't like the feeling in my body of having sugar overload. You know that feeling, right? I don't mean 
I want to be clear. I don't mean the judgment internally or the shame that often is what people don't like. I mean the actual physical sensations. My mouth feels really icky. My tummy sometimes can get a bit churning. And this is generally because all I've had is a heap of sugary foods in, say, a sitting, maybe like candy or lollies, but not as part of many other foods, which we are more likely to find satisfaction from collectively and also then not feel icky. And if we do feel icky, it's not the end of the world compared to how normalized it is to discuss that that is so bad. It is so bad for us. And and there's such extreme conversations, mostly unfounded, mostly not in fact. So let's get micro for a moment here. I regularly buy yogurt. I enjoy Greek yogurt. Sometimes I buy unsweetened yogurt. I like that, you know, if I use unsweetened, I can put it in savory and sweet dishes. But what I've been noticing is that I don't always finish it by the use by date which is unnecessary waste, you know, on all levels. So what I've been doing the last couple of weeks is I've been, I've been buying the same yogurt, but sweetened, which is so interesting. I do like it. And I've noticed some really interesting things. I am actually more readily eating yogurt as a quick and easy snack. Now this is a plus for a few reasons from a general eating and health perspective. Now I'm actually eating something again, you know, quick, easy, nutritious, because it's accessible and it's appealing rather than just not eating, you know, don't have time. And, and actually then I'm not feeling worse because I'm kind of skipping eating and I'm not fueled. And then maybe that kind of keeps going. And if I hadn't had the yogurt that was sweetened, I maybe would have grabbed something hours later that wasn't really that satisfying because I'm so starving. And yes, that's going to likely have sugars in some form anyway. Like I'm trying to stop the sugar in the yogurt, but then what do I do five hours later? But (laughs) this, this change is a plus. I've incorporated a source of protein, of calcium, of beneficial bacteria. It's a plus because I've also naturally noticed that I've increased my fruit intake by 100% each day, one extra piece each day or serve because I wasn't regularly having yogurt and now I'm having yogurt and fruit as a regular snack. So yes, I have added sugar to my day by eating this yogurt with added sugar, but I've also added sugar by adding fruit. So, you know, that needs to be normalized and same, same. So remember, this is protective for our health, despite the mixed messages that we get about sugar. So for me right now, this is actually a better overall food choice with multiple factors and benefits that I've just mentioned. And yet how we speak about sugar societally is not going to touch on any of that. It doesn't honor any of that context or big picture. There is no space in that conversation for nuance, for context, or for you, or in this case, for me. So I'm eating more regularly. I'm eating more widely nutritious foods throughout the day. And what actually has made that happen is a sweetened yogurt, the one that I'm more interested and excited to eat, the one that's just there, the one that overall is adding, yes, more sugar to my life, And that addition is doing what that's bad. In summary, sugar isn't bad. It isn't bad for you. We literally live on it. And I want to invite you to put all the foods in that category that belong there, because this is going to help you internally challenge the bias that you very likely have that, you know, that the resulting narratives that then you end up with about food, 
But having those biases and narratives doesn't make them true. It doesn't make them helpful. And like with everything with food, we need enough of it and we need a varied amount of things. And health outcomes from food are about more than one type of food and are about what we do most of the time, over time and in context. So if the amount of sugar in your diet is worrying you, I invite you to ask for support to figure it out. You don't need to do this on your own. To explore how you, for instance, have come to that assessment. Is that assessment reasonable or fair? That's something I would want to know about it. What might you like to shift about this and how does it feel to explore those options? This is literally what I do with folks. So if you want one-on-one support, get in touch. If this is stressing you out, it doesn't need to. And there is so much empowerment to be found in sifting through your fears, you know, your questions and challenges, but from a non-diet nutrition lens. So you embrace the truth, the nuance, and you explore behaviors that actually feel good to you. All right, myth number three is two eggs too many. No. So the good old egg myths, these are absolutely rooted in the 80s and 90s being so fear-mongering with fat. Mostly, you know, that kind of lineage of fear was if you don't eat fat, hello, low fat, hello, skim everything. I was born in the 80s. I know exactly what this was about. You would apparently lose weight for eating less fat and then you'd be healthier. Another myth, of course. And another reductive approach to nutrition, to weight and to health, another myth that is keeping us stuck and disempowered because what do we do about eggs, right? This myth, it's also important to kind of state the OG myth here that was really about dietary cholesterol and this idea that because of the dietary cholesterol in the eggs, that would apparently directly increase how much cholesterol your body has, or more specifically, a type of cholesterol often called bad cholesterol or LDL. This is also incorrect about eggs. Eggs are a source of protein, great source of protein, in fact. They have vitamin D, they have iron, folate, and a variety of other vitamins and minerals. And like everything, if you are not adhering to a specific medically supervised diet, there is no magic number to eat or to not eat. I mean, do you even like them? Possibly if you're listening to this, yes. If you are living with type 2 diabetes with high cholesterol and or heart disease, the Australian Heart Foundation does speak about including less than seven eggs over a week span. And I actually think this is relevant for all of us in terms of considering dietary pattern and inclusions from the big picture. You know, what do you overall have in variety and combination of foods that you're eating? Because even without these conditions, these health conditions, if eggs are the primary or the only source of protein in your diet, one-on-one support exists to provide you with the valuable knowledge and empowerment that you need to sift through those questions and those challenges, those concerns from a non-diet nutrition lens so that you can actually use truth and evidence with context and nuance so that everything is going to work for you. That is today's myths, today's episode. What did you think? As I mentioned at the top of the episode, if you like it, if you want more, let me know. If there are specific myths you want me to address, I invite you to share them with me in the Food and Body Freedom community, our community. Again, you can join us free on Facebook. For all of the links, all of the notes from today's exploration of Nutrition Mythbusting Part 2, you can head to my website, which is nadiafelsch.com forward slash podcast, or you can find the link directly in the podcast player you are currently listening on. Thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to being with you again soon.